from the Disney movie Hercules. In the Disney movie Hercules, I got someone going, yes! Yeah, in the Disney movie Hercules, there's a scene there, and the music swells, it crescendos, and there's a line. A line that grabs my heart every time I hear it, every time I watch the film. And the line says this. Hercules sings, I would do most anything to find where I belong. The hero who doesn't have a home. The hero who doesn't belong. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that you just don't quite fit? That junior high still hasn't ended? You know? That awkward phase that we keep being just a little out of step with everyone else. What is it about that genre that resonates with our spirit? I, I remember growing up and, and back in the Stone Age, we had Charlie Brown and Ziggy cartoons. Any of you remember the Ziggy cartoon? You know, the little guy who was the lovable loser. If anything could go wrong for Ziggy, it did. They longed for a place and a people to call their own. Have you ever felt like you were a square peg and everyone else was a round peg and you're in a round peg world? Do you ever feel like you're the outsider? Do you ever feel like you're always peering in on everybody else? And even when you're invited, and even when you're told you're wanted, there's a nagging doubt in the back of your mind. Do I belong? Are these my people? I have a secret to tell you. I know I always do. And I always have. One of the greatest gifts my wife has ever given me is this. I know I have one person in this world I always feel at home with. Perhaps I just described you. I know I described the people that Peter was writing to. They were a people who felt this way. They were people who were the outsiders. They were run off from their home. They were, they were told, you can't be here. You're not welcome in your temple. You're not welcome in your land. You're not welcome. You're not welcome. You're not welcome. Where do I fit? So under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Peter pins five amazing superlatives. 
He borrows from the book of Hosea to frame these superlatives, and he answers three of life's great questions. Who am I? Where do I belong? What am I supposed to do? Listen to the Scriptures. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're going to start with verse 10. Verse 10 is from the book of Hosea. Did you know that? The book of Hosea is the book about a guy who's given the impossible task. He's told to marry a woman who will never, ever, ever be faithful to him. A woman who will always betray him. So it would be a living example of how Israel betrays God. And so he marries her. And she betrays him. And in her sin, and in her brokenness, she too never fits in. In fact, one of the reasons why sin is so devastating is sin isolates us from everyone. We sin thinking that it's going to cause us to have unity, that we're going we're to unite, we're going to be with people, we're going we're to have this oneness. All sin does is isolate. All sin does is make us more alone. And the reason why, it drives us from the one who we need to be one with, and that's God. And so God comes. And God speaks to Hosea the prophet. And he says, Hosea, this is what I'm going to say to Israel. This is kind of what you're going to say to her. And in Hosea chapter 2, God says this. He says, once you're not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want you to hear that. Peter says, people of God, this promise is your promise. In a world where you do not fit, in a world where you're an outcast, in a world where you have no place to call home, this is God's promise to those who are His. Please Hear me, church. When you belong to Jesus, when you belong to Him, I have good news for you. You may not fit in this world, but God says to you, you are His people. 
You are His. Why? Look at the next part of the verse. Because you have experienced His mercy through Jesus Christ. You have a new life. You are a new people. You have a new home because of the mercy that is found in Jesus Christ. Underline this in your Bible. This verse is for you. You are God's people. Why? Because you are the recipients of His mercy through Jesus Christ. His mercy changes everything. You are a people of mercy. You are recipients of mercy. Not because you deserve it. If we go back to Hosea, Hosea, we see God talking to Israel and God saying to Israel, guess what, Israel? You don't deserve it. You've betrayed me and betrayed me and betrayed me and betrayed me. But you're going to have it. Because of Jesus Christ, God says, I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to shower you with mercy. You have never experienced the mercy you're going to experience through Jesus. Oh, friends, some of you are sitting there and going, oh, Pastor, that is so old news. Oh, friends, don't let it be old news. Let it soak into your soul. Let it overwhelm who you are. Let it break you to think of the mercy of God on you. Because mercy is undeserved. His mercy changes everything. With that in mind, we will see the five superlatives you have because of God's mercy. The five superlatives you have because you are now the people of God. Five things that change your direction. Five things that change your walk. That change your mind. Hang on, because you're about to see, my friend, the very heart of God. You're going to have a sliver, a glimpse, just a tiny fraction of His great goodness and kindness. And when I'm done, I hope, I pray, I beg that your heart will be so full that all you can do is when you leave today is say what an amazing what a magnificent what a mind-blowing god we have why would he do this for us so strap in verse 9 you are a chosen race Chosen. Elect. We are chosen because He is the cornerstone. The one rejected by men, but chosen by God. And in His mercy, He chose a people who knew no mercy. His honor covers us. He makes us precious in His sight. The word chosen race, genos, it's because it's a new race. 
He makes us a new people. You're new. You're a new kind of people. Because you're a new kind of race, a new kind of people, guess what? There's no room for racism. There's no room for prejudice. I have no business looking down on someone else for any reason. You know why? Because I'm only here by the mercy of God. No other reason. So I better not get all hoity-toity. I'm a new person. A chosen race. Chosen by the mercy of God. We will all enter this kingdom by the same way through the blood of Jesus Christ. So I have nothing to brag about except Him alone. I have no reason to look down on my brother or sister because Jesus paid the very same thing for them. We are new people. And notice who did the choosing. God. God did the choosing. You know, I go to conferences and read books and look at blogs and they tell me things like, now Greg, you, you, if you want your church to grow and explode, you need to target a certain kind of person. You need to target this person or that person. And your church just needs to go after this kind of person. And those churches that do that, they grow. They're to, they tell me that I should target uh, either certain kinds, certain kinds of young families or certain kinds of people with money or certain kinds of people who don't have too many problems or, or people who are the movers and shakers in society. And all those people need Christ. And I remember at one of the churches, I was target, targeting any kid who breathed. That was my, my plan. If you breathed, you needed Jesus. And another youth pastor said, Greg, you're, you're targeting the wrong kids. He goes, I target, and he targeted the mover and shaker kids at a, at a local school. And, and I said, yeah, they need Jesus. And next thing I know, a couple families left because they wanted to be part of that. And, and I said, that's great. You know, praise God. If, if that's where you need to go to get fed, that's great. But I got to target who God chooses. And last time I checked, God chooses the church of Jesus Christ. So this is going to be a church made up of people that He chooses. Warts and all. If you look around and you think, wow, there are some really strange people in this church. Take it up with God. It's His church, not mine. 
My point is if God chose the person for salvation, that's good enough for me. And also, you may think that person next to you is strange, but think what they might be thinking about you. God chose. God chose. A royal priesthood. We are all priests who serve a king. Priests. The sacrifice has been paid for by our high priest, King Jesus. So we as priests have access to the holy throne of God. We can be with our God. We can be vessels of His blessing to this world. It is a picture that is the fulfillment of Exodus 19. We become His precious treasure. We are His priests pointing people to access with God through the high priest, Jesus Christ. You are a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. Live like priests, bringing the blessing of Jesus to others. Notice thirdly, a holy nation. In His mercy, He not only creates a new spiritual race, He not only creates a new priesthood, but you are now a people set apart for God. A nation of people who are for Him. Citizens under His authority. Citizens no longer under this world. No longer citizens of this world, but citizens of His kingdom. Under His authority, carrying out His ways, enjoying His blessings. Old things have passed away. Behold, old things have become new, According to Second Corinthians, this world is no longer your home because you have a new home with a new king. And you will begin to long for that home. A home you've never seen with your eyes. Why do you become discontent with this world? Because the more you walk under the king's decrees, the more you walk with your king, you start looking around and going, this isn't the way things are supposed to be. And a holy discontent comes in your heart. And you start longing for it to be all bowing before the King of kings and Lord of lords and doing it His way. You long for the injustice and the, the evil in this world to be dealt with because you want this world to know and see the beauty and majesty of your King. Because you're part of His nation. That's why this world doesn't feel like home. Because it isn't. Part of you doesn't belong here. Part of you belongs somewhere else. A people for His own possession. Literally, God's special 
property. Significant. Precious to Him. We receive His notice, His care. His eye is on the sparrow. I know He watches me. I am His. I am stamped. I am His. You say, Greg, where do you get that? This phrase carries the idea of a special tattoo that certain slaves would have showing that they belonged to a master for life and they were so valued that if the slave spoke, it was as if the master spoke. We are His. Fire broke out in a small town. It was horrible. Only one person in the home lived. A little boy. And so they were having a a meeting in the town. Who would take this little boy in? Who would raise this little child as their own? Everyone came who wanted and they would make their plea before the, the town leaders and Here's why I think I could raise this child. And at the very end, a man walked in. Walked in with his hands in his pockets. They all saw him walk in and they knew who he was and they were a little bit surprised he was there. He why would, why would he want to raise a little boy? And they said to him, why do you think you should raise this child? And all the man did was pull his hands out of his pockets. And as he did, the crowd in the room gasped, for his hands were scarred. You see, the the night of the fire, the little boy was up in the second floor. And this man walking by saw the fire, saw the boy was trapped, and so he saw an iron grate, and that iron grate was glowing red, and he climbed up on that iron grate even though it scarred his hands, and he got the little boy, put the little boy on his shoulder, and climbed back down that iron grate, and he scarred his hands for that little boy. He said, here's why. I've proven myself that I will sacrifice anything for that child. You know, the reason why we are God's possession is because of a couple nail-scarred hands that our Savior holds out and says, I've paid the price to make them my possession. On the cross, I paid everything to make them my possession. If you don't believe me, look at my hands.
Look at my feet. Look at my side. We are His possession, bought and paid for. But what is our purpose? Why are we here? The next part of the verse answers this. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of the darkness into His marvelous light. That you may proclaim, shout, declare, make known to all who can hear what? His excellencies, His goodness, His magnificence, His greatness, His wonder. Doesn't that sound like worship? Doesn't that sound like what we're supposed to do on Sunday morning? Amazing grace. No, that's not how we sing it, is it? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That sounds, when we proclaim the excellencies of Him, that sounds like people who are in love. People who are in so in awe of God and what He has done. We can't shut up about Him. You know, you know how I know how a guy is happily married? You want to know? oh Mike I've missed you buddy because sooner or later in our conversation he brags about his wife because he's in love with her that's how I know sooner or later, it slips out. Sooner or later, it comes out. And people notice. People notice when you're in love. As you know, I'm going to tattle on my wife. Okay? My wife works at a car lot in town. And uh, one of her bosses came to her and she goes, I love it when your husband comes by. She goes, why? He, he, he doesn't come by very often. Why, why, why do you like it? Because you light up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, baby. You know what? <laughs> 32 years ago, I was her hunk. Now I'm her chunk, but I still got it. <laughs> Means we're still in love. We're supposed to be that way about God. 
when someone asks you about God, do you light up? Do people go, whoa, this, this person, wow, they're excited about that God of theirs. Or do you hide it so well no one even knows you have a relationship with him? You're to proclaim his excellencies. In fact, that whole idea of lighting up is part of it because you've been called out. Here's the fifth superlative. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You become people of the light. God moves you from darkness to life. And this metaphor, it beats, it, it drums through Scripture. We find in Philippians 2.15 where we're called to shine as a light in this world. And now we're extrinsic light. We don't have our own light. We reflect His light. He's intrinsic, we're extrinsic. In other words, He, he is light. 1 John says, God is light. John 1 the light came into the world, but we reflect it. We reflect the light. We're called to be light reflectors. We're called to reflect that which is so amazing. And, and, and I believe he uses this idea of light because light is the only substance that never can be polluted. Water gets dirty, air gets dirty, but light is always pure. So we're called to reflect the light of God, to share His greatness with others because He's placed us in His light. In fact, light and proclamation go together in Scripture. They're hand in hand. Remember Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 14-16. You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory. There's the proclamation. There's the excellencies of God to your Father who is in heaven. You've been rescued from darkness to reflect the light of Christ so as to proclaim to this world the wonders of God. We do it through our words. We do it through our deeds. We proclaim Him. Our life is worship. Our words are worship. Like a city set on a hill. Ever wondered what they would have thought when they heard that? What city was that? I mean, they're sitting there on the Sermon on the Mount, which means they're on a mount. They're on the seashore of, of Galilee, and they're sitting there, and Jesus is preaching, and he says, a city on the hill. Where is that? What city was Jesus talking about? Well, when Jesus said it, all of them did this. Because there was one city that they would have known. Today we call the city Safed. S-A-F-E-D. Safed, like saved. Safed. It's also known as 
Sfat. Now, Sfat is uh, spelled T-Z-F-A-T. Sfat. I have no idea how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> so we're going to call it Sofit, okay? But if you like Sfat better, we can call it Sfat. Now here's, it's still there today. Jesus probably preached in it, though we don't have any direct thing that tells us, but they don't, if you go to a biblical tour, you're not going to ever go through the city. Because Jesus didn't do anything there. Today it's a city where you can see artistry. There's lots of artists in this city. And it's the center of the Jewish mystery religion, Kabbalah. Back in Jesus' day, it is where they went to go study Torah. Okay? Now, you'll notice that little blue thing, that's where Sea of Galilee is. And to the left, so they would have turned over their shoulder, is that city. That city is the highest point, the highest city in Israel. About 3,000 feet above sea level. Now, Israel had a problem. What was the holiest day of the week, Bible scholars? What was the holiest day of the week to the Israelites? Sabbath or Saturday. And it started basically Friday night to Saturday night, right? And it was called the Sabbath. And they had to stop work. They had to stop doing things. They had to, you know, they had to do all sorts of things. And they didn't have an app. So they had to be very creative. And the city that got to say when it started was Jerusalem. Well, what are you going to do for the rest of the country to make sure they all obeyed. Well, any of you ever see the last movie of The Lord of the Rings when they had to set off the signal fire and it went, or, you know, somebody set a fire and then it went another place, another place, another place? If you didn't, well, I just told you what they did. And so here's what happened. They would set a fire off, a signal fire, every Friday night in Jerusalem. And five fires later, in just a matter of moments, it would reach Safed. And Safed would light their fire. And because they were so high, and they would make a fire so big, that everyone in the region could see this fire, and it lit up the city to be so bright that when Jesus said, like a city set on a hill, they immediately knew what he was talking about. They immediately knew that he was talking about Sophit. They immediately knew that what it meant to shine so brightly that the world would know 
for us, we proclaim the excellencies of our God by shining our light. My friends, we have been called, we have been chosen. By the mercy of God, we are a chosen race. By the mercy of God, we are a royal priesthood. By the mercy of God, we are a holy nation. By the mercy of God, we are a people belonging to God, a people who have been brought from darkness to light to shine God's light in our words, in our worship, in our deeds, in our actions, in such a way to make God's beauty, God's wonder, God's magnificence known to this world. A world that does not know His goodness. Why? Because we are His people and we are at home with Him. Why? Because we have tasted His mercy. Why? Because we have found a place to belong. And we belong with Him. What happens when we live this way? What happens when we live understanding who we are? What happens when we live in the, in the security of being His people? In the second century, a person wrote to Diogenetus, who was a second century leader. And he was writing about his observations about Christians. And I close with this. Christians are not different from the rest of men in nationality, speech, or customs. They do not live in states of their own, nor do they use a special language, nor adopt a peculiar way of life. Their teaching is not the kind of thing that could be discovered by wisdom or reflection of mere active-minded men. Indeed, they are not outstanding in human learning as others are. Whether fortune has given them a home in a Greek or foreign city, they follow local custom in the matter of dress, food, and way of life. Yet the character of the culture they reveal is marvelous. It must be admitted unusual. They live each in his native land, but as though they were not really at home there. They share in all the duties like citizens and suffer all hardships like strangers. Every foreign land is for them a fatherland, and every fatherland a foreign land. They marry like the rest of men and beget children, but they do not abandon the babies that are born. You see, back then, if something was wrong with the child, they would just put it out on the street. Christians didn't do that. They share a common board, but not a common bed. In other words, there was a moral compass. In the flesh as they are, they do not live according to the flesh. They dwell on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the laws that men make, but their lives are better than the laws. They love all men, but are persecuted by all. They are unknown, and yet they are condemned. They are put to death, yet are more alive than ever. They are paupers, 
but they make many rich. They lack all things, and yet in all things they abound. They are dishonored, yet glory in their dishonor. They are maligned, and yet are vindicated. They are reviled, and yet they bless. They suffer insult, yet they pay respect. They do good, and yet are punished with the wicked. When they are punished, they rejoice as though they were getting more of life. They are attacked by the Jews as Gentiles and as and persecuted by the Greeks, yet those who hate them can give no reason for their hatred. They live as if they're not part of this world. It's because we're not. We're just passing through. We're just passing through. Amen. Amen.